Down to Business on Newstalk. Sponsored by Flowgas. On the grid, off the grid. Flowgas is Ireland's only supplier of LPG and natural gas, wherever you are. Now, as we start to shut up shop for the Christmas period, we start to think about what we could uh, think about maybe changing in the year ahead. And changing our career is often at the top of the list. Uh, this week's industry review, we're going to look at the world of recruitment. And joining me in studio is Dave Walsh. He's the Director of Commercial Developments at Osborne Recruitment. Frank Farley is the Chief Operating Officer and Co-Founder at Sigmar Recruitment. And Sinead Brady is Career Psychologist at Career to Love. You're all very welcome to the programme and uh, thank you for coming in. And I know we've got experts here, so just before we start, I want to say if you're thinking of a new job in the new year and you want to kind of know how about it, I've got three of the most formidable views in the country here around the studio and they can help you. So Dave, we might start with you and just... I suppose the time of year that we're in, people do associate uh, the new year with a new beginning and one's job is often a sort of pivotal and central to that. And they say that if you if you go for a new job in the new year, the fact that it's sort of it's timelined or it's date marked that you've got a greater chance of maybe uh, fulfilling that ambition. Good morning. Um, yeah, it, that, we do see an increase in, in applications and in candidates looking to, to change jobs for the first quarter of the new year. Christmas is often a time where you have a couple of weeks off. It's time to reflect and you want to see if you're achieving where you want what you want to achieve with your career goals. It's also a time to socialise and you're finding out what your former colleagues and friends are doing with themselves. And the, it's always interesting to see what else is out there. Um, the, the way the industry is changing at the moment or the, the demand for skilled candidates out there, it is a, a 12 month of the year event that December we we were just talking to Frank outside and we were still closing off offers uh, late last night right. uh, which is the final day of the year and so it's the, the jobs are there the opportunities are there and it's just January can be an often often a good catalyst or Christmas can be a good catalyst to try and dust off the CV and get it ready again okay uh, Frank Farley uh, again you've been on the program with us here many many times Frank um just in relation to that uh, the role of the recruiter and somebody wanting to maybe change uh, tack, maybe change career. One thing that I think ma- many, many people maybe underestimate is if you decide you want to change job in December, you know, maybe a lot of stuff is kind of, as you say, shutting down, but it could be March or it could be Easter by the time you meet the recruiter, you have the interview with the recruiter, he puts or she puts you forward for a job, you go through more interviews, like... So I think we shouldn't underestimate how long a career change might actually take. No, absolutely. And again, you should take time. You know, time is time is on your side. Um, and people also underestimate how stressful it is to change jobs. So as Dave was saying, the role of the recruiter is changing. You know, when I joined recruitment in the late 90s, we were sales and a bit of HR. We're now sales, we're marketeers, we're researchers, we're digital specialists, we're logistics experts. But more and more, we're counsellors, we're psychologists. So we have to help people through that stress. Right. You know, and again, uh, as Dave said, dusting off the CV might sound easy, but it can take two or three weeks to put a decent CV together. And then, especially for senior jobs, it might take you three to six months to find a role. Yeah. You know, grads have to hustle. It's a, grads probably have the toughest job at all because, yeah. you know, supply and demand. The supply of grads versus the demand is a bit out of kilter. But the, 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 the role of the recruitment specialist has always been one of hard sell. Uh, that probably 
is still the case, is it not? No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say so. Not at all. I think. I think it got that reputation from London in the nineties, you know, and Tory boy, etc. I don't think that was ever the case in Ireland. I think we're a, a lot different. And equally, I think what works and a good recruiter has to build long-term relationships. Yeah. And if you're about the hard sell, you'll never build long-term relationships. So I think, um, and especially in Sigmar, like when we're looking for people, like anybody should look for their skill, their will and the fit. I forget about skill because Sigmar can train people up. I look for their will, which is a motivation and attitude. And if they're hard sellers, I don't really want them because they're going to damage client relationships. They're going to damage consultant relationships. It's going to damage candidate relationships. And could I ask about the marketplace, Frank? If if there are a shortage of jobs, like if, if, if there's a shortage of jobs versus a glut of jobs, which is the more difficult for the recruiter? In, in which environment? If you go back to the recessionary years yes. when there wasn't jobs, yeah. Versus now, maybe when you can't fill jobs or you can't, I'm not saying you can't, but that well, no, there are situations <laughs> that, 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 that you, you find it difficult to place people in, in, in companies. Per- personally, I love it when there's a, a shortage and the talent is hard to find. Right. Because that's where I can come into my own and add value. When, where there's a glut of talent, all you're adding is speed, really. Mm. So when, when there's not a glut of talent, when it's a hard to find, like I, we've, got, we've gone to Croatia, we've partnerships with Croatian universities, Romanian un- universities for IT, you know, adopting a long-term approach. We've built communities online. Um, like That is where you really come into your own. And a, a shortage of talent is where I can add real value to my, okay. my customers. So that's, that's my favourite. Okay, keep those texts coming in, 53106. I'll get to them in a minute. Um, I want to bring in Sinead Brady now from A Career to Love. Sinead, uh, you say that people should own their own careers. Um, what do you, how do you actually own your own career? I think the really important thing is, and as as the guys are saying here, Dave and Frank, like we're in a situation now where employees, whether you're within a company and in a job or whether you're thinking about looking for a new job or a new career, really have to be in control of what you want. What do you want your job to do for you? What do you want your career to do for you? And you have to be in the driving seat for that. So if you want to upscale, if you want to rescale, if you want to retrain, if you want to move job, if you want to move career, you're the person that has to drive that. But was that not always the case? I think there, at, at a point there was a feeling that if you wanted that, that the company should provide the opportunity for you to do that. Okay. And that's mm-hmm. no longer the case. Um, we're in a situation where you have to step into and step up to what it is that you want to do, know why you want to do it, know where you want to do it and know how you're going to do it. And I always say to people that are thinking about this, it is not, as you said, and rightly say, it's not a quick process. It's a slow process to make change and sometimes it can even take you know to really really affect full change and I'm not just talking about a job change, I'm talking about career change. could take 18 months to do and if you do it faster you're setting yourself up for failure. Right. Um, you need to plan, you need to be strategic and forget about performance reviews within your job place. They're important and if your business sees them as important you as an individual need to be doing performance reviews on yourself. Yeah. What do I need to do? What do I need to change? How can I change it and how can I get there? So look forward and plan backwards. Okay, mm-hmm. so the point being then rather than sort of waiting for the company to send me on that course yes. to kind of maybe improve me in this, that or yes. the other, uh, it's like, what do I want to learn? What do I want to do? And why do I want to do this? Absolutely. And then you begin to say, okay, so that's where I want to be in six months, three months, 18 months and work backwards. Okay. Um, and put like, rather than kind of setting short-term goals going forward, set a long-term goal, plan it 
backwards to where you are today and fill the gap in between. Mm -hmm. And having that level of responsibility makes you more attractive to a recruiter, makes you more attractive to a business. Plus, you're the person driving your own career. Okay, loads of texts coming in. I'll get to more of them in a second. But one that says, great talk on jobs. Spent 30 years in sales. Made redundant by a top Irish company. I'm still only 58. No one wants me me because I've too much experience and I'm too old. I have a lot to offer. It's not all about money. And that's from Mick in Galway, Michael in Galway. Um, Dave, you might just, an example here of somebody, like we do undervalue the experience of somebody you know who's 58 who has has as, as i say no sales understands probably a service ethic why do we and they may not and he's making the point that i may not be too expensive people make the assumption because i'm 58 i'm going to be too dear there's a fellow of 25 who can do it for half the price yeah, that would have been a... We're seeing things change around that over the last couple of years, that age is no longer uh, an influencing factor, nor should it be, uh, nor is the, the, the volume and amount of experience, but it's the quality of experience that we have. And we're working with people on a daily basis, helping them change careers, change roles. Uh, we're bringing people into the recruitment industry who are of a similar age and a similar era to, 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 to your texter, uh, who have never been in the industry before, but by looking at what it is they do, what it is they enjoy doing, to touch on what Frank was saying there, the, the will uh, and the why uh, that's the biggest change we've seen over the last 12-18 months is the alignment of whys organisations are now recruiting from a purpose point of view they want candidates who are aligned with what it is they do and I think it echoes back to, to what we were saying there about planning your career planning where you want to be in 18 months so find out who it is you want to work for and why you want to work there do you get their corporate message okay. do you get who it is they are and what makes them just, just on that uh, and again this is where the role of the recruiter is mm. sort of key um, if I go, if I go for a, uh, and I go present myself to you uh, as available for a job, and I do a great interview with you, you then have to sell me to somebody else. So often, and I think this may be something that 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 can happen, where you know you think you've done a great interview with the recruitment agency, and maybe you have, mm. but then ha- can that recruiter sell you to? the employer effectively and is that not really your key role Mm. to actually understand what it is the company actually wants and what the individual uh, is good at absolutely and that's uh, as Frank said that's what differentiates a lot of recruiters and the old opinion of recruiters as high street is coming in matching CVs to recruitment consultants which is what the career is now and we were the, the whole industry was delighted to be accredited as, with a, an apprenticeship program just two I weeks ago that, yeah. which yeah. is fantastic recognition of the industry and it's, it's testament to the great work that the National Recruitment Federation have done um, but th- that's the key skill of a recruiter is to be able to work with that candidate to identify what it is that, that drives them what are their motivators what is it to get them that lights their fire what is it they're looking for and to be able to convey that to the client the way people see recruiters there's two sides of filling a job one is that you get a spec from a from a client i need a, a financial controller with five years experience who can do this this and this and this go off and find me someone the other side of it is to place a candidate which sounds like it's the, the same thing as the other side of the same coin it's identifying what the individual candidates motivators are what their key skills are what strengths they can bring to an organization and then to actively present their okay. details to the contacts and networks that you have 
have. It's That's why the hardcore sales is not really a, 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 an attribute that recruiters have, but it's more the credibility, the authenticity yeah. and the ability to judge what skills are there and to be able to convey that to employers. I, I think you say yourself, Frank, that you, recruiters need to be experts in, re, in rejection because you can get plenty <laughs> of it. Is that right? I know. Re, re, recruiters are, are special you people. You need to take back. <laughs> no, I, I love recruiters. Again, it's kind of, you need to be so resilient. You know, I, I think recruiters are probably the most optimistic people in the world. <laughs> <laughs> and they have to be because they get so much rejection. <laughs> um, what about the way we work, Frank? Um, yeah. What about temporary work, short-term contracts? That there's, we've said it many times on this show, the job for life is no longer with us. So what about tooling people up properly for the new kind of way of working? Uh, well, you've covered a lot there. I think um, there's a lot of uh, negative con- connotations around temporary work, but it's also a choice for a lot of people. Yeah. You know, a lot of our, you know, the highly skilled engineers, IT people love temporary work, love contract work. Um, again, we have some in Sigmar, we have some t- uh, temporary office, you know, receptionists who've been with us for 10 years and they love the flexibility yeah. it gives them. No, I, I don't yeah. disagree. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be mm. a negative it connotation. It can suit people perfectly. And we were talking about outside is that I think it was Sinead who said it, that I think 65% of jobs that are my nine year old um, you know, don't exist for my nine year old. You know, mm. so it's just two thirds yeah. of a chance that she'd be working on something we haven't even thought of. You know, there's like there's mad jobs. We're going to have drone air air traffic controllers. We're going to we already have yeah. digital addiction specialists. You know, yeah. you know. So so I think, and we spoke about it side is that I think we need as a country, and I think we are is we need to be we need to constantly reskill. You know, what Sinead was saying, looking down the road 18 months as a country, we need to be looking at that constantly, reskilling. And I think you put it well outside, Sinead. We need to be at the, the apex we of do. where automation and reskilling match, and it's a collaborative economy going yeah. forward. Yeah, so we're looking at cognitive collaboration and cognitive agility. So we're talking to our children and we're talking to our ch- people that are in school about not what do you want to be when you grow up. I think we actually should stop asking that question completely and begin to ask children, what do you like? Yeah. You know, yeah. what do you you engage with and teaching them how to work with people, engage with people, speak to people and work to take their head out of the phone and talk about what's happening on the phone and to have kind of conversations because the future of work ultimately is human. That's what the future of work is. And we have to sit at the intersection of where we can collaborate cognitively with computers, just like we're doing here. You're reading off a screen, but we're having a conversation at the same time about what's happening on that screen. Mm. And we need to skill our workforce to be able to manage that intersection. And that's the really interesting piece. Absolutely, it is. And so much has to change to reflect that education, Education all those things. Fundamentally has to change. Let's do another couple of texts. Hi, Bobby. I'm currently studying... <clears throat> Excuse me. I, I'm currently studying health and safety at UCI after having a business, a scaffolding business in the UK. So it's difficult to get your foot in the door without experience. So I think this is somebody who's maybe changed type of career, but doesn't have the experience in the new career because he was previously a scaffolder. We need to think about transferable skills, though. And as a scaffolder, while working, he would have dealt with health and safety all of the time. So when he was going on to a site, he would have went through all of the toolkit talks. He would have had health and safety inductions. He would have been involved in induction programs. So begin to look at the skills that he can take from his career. And that's a good point you make, Sinead, whereby, you know, you're putting your CV together. It's a sales document. You need to focus on that kind of stuff that you're good at, stuff that can add value. Yeah. And sometimes you, you, we try and 
sort of align ourselves too much with the spec uh, so rather can. than what it is we're actually good at. Mm. But what I would say to John is sit down and think about your momentous moments. So take 60 seconds over the next 10 days or a week and think about the things that you've done in your career that have been learning experiences that have been work experiences and are transferable from what he did previously to what he's doing now right. and just take 60 seconds a day okay. momentous it, moments it probably goes back to the same for Mick and, Ga- Mick and Galway is they ha- you have to get out and promote yourself yeah. if Mick lets age be the issue it's going to be the issue Yeah, you know he needs to get out and he okay. used to use the skill, skills uh, or sales skills and get in front of people there's a load more here hired an electronic engineer in 2017 in six months got only one CV from Ireland with four agencies eventually found someone in, from Eastern Europe problem is that an engineer will earn less than a Lewis driver or a teacher and that's from Andrew yeah again I, I don't know the individual case but sometimes you have to up the salary you're paying to make, make it attractive and yeah. again if I was him I'd probably partner with less agencies and actually get really involved and mm. build a relationship because if you're an agency and it's if like if he's using four agencies he's rewarding speed if he wants to reward quality he should build a partnership with an agency and then they'll come up with solutions like they'll go we go to your fire clients mm-hmm. like right. we, we have a pop-up office in Berlin you know to hire 20 customer service people for a client and it worked right what about this one Bobby is the CV on paper gone out at this stage what about the job seeker giving the recorded presentation is this the way things are going now is this a kind of a video of yourself no the CV is very important and I was I was an early adopter of videos video CVs 15 years ago and I'm still waiting for it to happen (laughs) (laughs) so I do believe in it but the facts are there the CV is still the most important document your CV and LinkedIn profile I think yeah. Bobby as well yeah. and like your CV it doesn't matter if you're Barack Obama keep it to two pages yeah. like right. nobody wants to read through what you've done all through your career so keep it to two pages relevant chronological and what falls off your CV should land on your LinkedIn profile so kind of the two of them kind of speak to one another almost What about gaps in a CV what about maybe like you should be you should be honest but maybe you don't dwell on things that you don't you, you like you'll mention them but you don't need to highlight them is that without sounding kind of anyway yeah. slippery around that <laughs> it's a sales document yeah, yeah. <laughs> you have to explain them you know, own, we don't own your career and own the information on your CV. Yeah. Like your CV is actually a legal document once you go into to going into getting a job based on it. So make sure what's on it is factual. If there's if there's gaps in it, I think own it. I don't know what. Absolutely. You yeah. need to own and say, look, yeah, I took six months off because I went travelling, and this is what I did when I was travelling. I worked myself yeah. to you know in order to travel, and there's skills you build up in all of yeah. that if you've stayed at home for the last nine years mm. as a mum. Absolutely. You've been the CEO of a business for nine years. <laughs> exactly. And yeah, if, if you've so. done your travelling, if you've done six months or a year, if you've done something interesting with your life, there's a more of a likelihood you'll do something interesting for your employer. Yes. Absolutely. I just wanted to ask maybe, and, and we're running a bit short on time, but I wanted to ask finally about the aspirations of, I suppose, the the, current, the millennial employee, even though I don't like that word, but does expectation of a, a 25-year-old today differ from when I was 25, like 25 years ago. Is it still, (laughs) we want to get on, we want to do well, we want to make a few quid, we want to get promoted. Like I I would say at one level, nothing has really changed. I'd agree. The the big difference we've seen uh, over the last few years is when we were coming out of college 20 odd years ago, you might be expected to have four or five jobs in your career now you might have four or five careers yeah. people will change jobs but they'll change tack completely but millennials again I'm loath to use that expression but there's, they're, they're fantastic they are the workplace at the moment more than half the workplace falls into the millennial categorisation yeah. um, they will 
change jobs more frequently, but they'll also bring new ideas and new uh, new challenges and new thoughts to, to existing um, existing practices. The number one priority we see or the number one um, indicator of whether a job would be a success uh, from moving into new careers is curiosity. And that's something that we see with, with millennials. They will change jobs, but they're curious about how things are done. And as Sinead said, why things are done and are not afraid to suggest different ways of doing you, it. Frank Farley. I think technology, I, I agree, I don't like the generation thing at all, but I think technology allows millennials, etc., to, to look for purpose in a role. Mm. And if I'm advising the client is, you know, give, give, your, give your potential employee purpose. You heard it here, folks. New job, new year, new you. Uh, I'd like to thank my guest, Dave Walsh, Director of Commercial Developments with Osborne Recruitment, Frank Farley, the Chief Operating Officer and Co-Founder at Sigmar Recruitment, and Sinead Brady, Career Psychologist at A Career to Love. Thank you all for joining us. Thanks, thank you. Down to Business on Newstalk. Sponsored by Flowgas. On the grid, off the grid. Flowgas is Ireland's only supplier of LPG and natural gas, wherever you are.